Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 47. More quarter one earnings, 2021. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I'm joined with European DGI. This is a podcast where we discuss our passion for dividend growth investing with our own unique European flavor. If you're new to this channel, please hit the like button and subscribe to us, and check out our previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJ. It feels like forever since we spoke. I know we had last week off. How have you been? Uh, really good, but I know you know it's really busy at the moment. I don't know how it's for you, but May, the start of May, has been crazy for me. Yeah, May May's May's busy for me. It's also my birthday, uh, start of May, so I've had had a nice few days. Had a nice few days off last week. So. Yeah, enjoying it. I, I missed I missed actually recording our podcast last Friday. It's 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 become a, a routine. Um but I know we had an episode to catch up on and we had Russ pre recorded, so it was nice actually to to spend a Friday with the wife and, and keep her happy and entertained for, for one weekend. But I did actually miss the podcast. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. But I had the same. I didn't know what to do actually on the Friday evening, so but uh, yeah, glad that we uh, went back to our routine again. It's much, uh, lots of fun. But we we missed it. We we missed a lot of earnings that week. A lot of big tech earnings. And I, I know Twitter was was hopping mad with all these fang stocks that just blew earnings and sales out the window. It was ridiculous. Apple, Apple, for example. I think they beat sales by twelve billion. Just think about that. Twelve billion alone. Yeah. That's just crazy for for me last week as an investor has been one of the only weeks ever that i was so blown away by the earnings of these companies and i'm investing now for let's say six years in dividend stocks and i consider apple and and microsoft and such dividend stocks and what i what i heard last week i, I I, I it was above me it was it was just too much i mean i was really blown away and i mentioned already also on uh, on social media like i started listening to the microsoft earnings call microsoft is the one that i pick out every quarter because i love listening to such an adela he was talking for almost 20 minutes about all the accomplishments that they did in a single quarter and you know what i was even most impressed by he knows this stuff as a ceo and it was too much to just read up. He probably had some notes, but he could speak about it. Yeah. Mm. And how many CEOs do you know that understands their business so well? And his business is very diversified. I was really, really impressed with that. That this tells me that the CEO is on top of it. He he knows what his company is running really, really inside out. Yeah, you you can see that from him and and how he's drove growth there. It's it's incredible. I was actually asked a question from a guy I interact with. He's he's from Ireland recently, and he he, he basically asked me like, would you not just consider buying these stocks, the Apple, 
Alphabet, Amazon, and Facebook. And he said, why would you bother analyzing other companies when you can just invest in these companies and you don't have to worry about a thing? I mean, <laughs> he might have a point. I I, I didn't quite say that. I, I was, I mean, I, I, I find it hard to invest when valuations are so high, but you can see the logic behind it, can't you? Uh, yeah, but uh, valuations are high. I mean, for me, Apple is is clearly overvalued, right? Uh, compared to how I analyze stocks, Microsoft was around fair value. Facebook is for me also around uh, fair value. Google is a bit overvalued for me as well. Um, but if you think about the next two decades, I think you will still get a a, a proper return on those companies. Yeah, not from a dividend income point of view, let's say. And that's what we're investing for, right? Yeah. True. And what about IBM, the back baby? Have you seen, yeah, have you seen the news? <laughs> I heard that they now are, I, I guess they are capable of making two nanometer chips now. They, they, they've spoke about it. Um, I don't believe that they will be making them themselves. So I think mm -hmm. they'll be using Samsung. Uh, our one partner that to be using they haven't announced who but i'm pretty sure intel might be there as well and this might yeah. be a good way for intel to get back into the game i know they're lagging well behind apple and and, and the likes of these companies so it might be a way for them to to catch up mm. interesting to see from that side i mean 2024 they, they projected they might start selling these things i don't know I mean, yeah. there's, it, it's still a long way off. It's easy to say we can do it, but it's another thing putting it into practice. Yeah, yeah, it, it just shows, and we know this about IBM, right? I think it's one of those companies with the most patents in the in the whole world. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope that they are started that they are able to start monetizing on this. Otherwise, it's like a company. Uh, um, how is it? Like like us having a lot of passion for blogging and such, but uh, not monetizing anything. For us, it is more like out of passion, but for them, I think they have a need to monetize things to keep the yeah. dividends paid. But hey, look, there's been a lot of excitement around IBM, and, and we've made some warnings about their financial engineering. But I mean, Red Hat are obviously building on that, and now they're throwing out a kind of a bone to investors and say, hey, look, you have something to look forward to, and just keeping investors happy and keeping them on a leash for now. And, yeah, but we did that few shows back, right? When we spoke about an example of a company in decline. Mm. Every first quarter of the year, they're having another kind of technology that they're trying to keep investors happy with. Yeah. Watson, blockchain, quantum computing, two nanometer chips. Uh, what do you think will be next year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, probably they figured out something in the cloud by then. Yeah. <laughs> But um, uh, having said that, what what also really caught my attention this this week was uh, the amount of um, growth stocks like like the Wall Street darlings from last year, like like Teladoc, Telehealth, right, um, Neo, Virgin Galactic. The, 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 those stocks have done not so well in the in the first quarter of this year until now. I mean, I saw. Uh, Virgin Galactic uh, from its peak of $16, $60 now to less than $20 as an example. Uh, I think Teladoc and Neo also like 30, 25% down. And I found this really interesting because I saw on social media quite some people, you know, uh, like like almost like mourning together about about the losses they are having 
on paper, right? Mm -hmm. And this is always what makes me remind then why I like dividend income investing because I wouldn't have the nerves for this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I of course I I wouldn't I would lie if I would say that I've never the feeling of am I missing out on something last year, right? When I see everyone two x, three x, four x. But then when I see these declines, it's a really, really great reminder for me, like why why I need to keep my head cool and and because this is really not something for me. I wouldn't be able to deal with such kind of stuff. I don't know if you've noticed the same trend that I have, but a lot of these investors on Twitter have migrated from these kind of stocks that seem to be in decline over to crypto. <laughs> and crypto <laughs> seems to be doing quite well at the moment, but yeah. It's just a trend that, that I've noticed. My, my timeline has changed from hearing about these companies to to crypto. And I mean, uh, I, I'm glad I'm, I'm a dividend growth investor because I can have a clear entry point. I know when I'm going to sell. We've spoke about this before. When you get mm -hmm. involved in these companies, when do you sell? Do you have a defined period? Do you hold them forever? If you hold them forever, what do you do when they drop 40%? I mean, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, investing is hard. And anyone that tells you any different is is telling you lies because it's probably made to seem to be a little bit easier. We're in the longest bull market we've ever been in. Stocks are just going up. But they're going to go down at some point or you're going to underperform the market at some point. So I'm just glad that I'm not exposed to them stocks i do yeah. have shares in neo but i'm i'm doing a cover call strategy um with phil actually me and phil chat quite regularly on this and and neo was one company that i that i own but um, i mean again it's controlled within a cover call strategy but long term yeah. i wouldn't want to hold them longer than six months yeah well the only thing i can say that this year um I don't know. I checked it. I think few. We, we did it with our quarter one report, right? I was mm. up, so <laughs> it's the only <laughs> thing I can say. Yeah. Cool. So maybe let's uh, start looking into some earnings then from this week because um, uh, I think you looked into CVS Health, right? If I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes. CVS, uh, the kind of along the lines of Walgreens, and I really, really like them as a company, but I've always kind of overlooked them because they. Not suspended, but they've kind of maintained their dividend. But looking into them a little bit more, I think they're right to maintain their dividend. Their, their focus is on getting their leverage ratio, so they're trying to get their debt down to under 3x, which is sensible in, in my mind, while maintaining the dividend. They had a, they had a really good year, um, a good quarter, sorry. So the healthcare was up 6.7 because the government services came in. Pharma was up... Uh, basically because of this speciality pharma revenue growth that they have and brand inflation they were kind of hit a little bit by a poor cough and cold season which is <laughs> which is bizarre because covid has got rid of every other sickness um but this was offset then in retail by by vaccine administration and, and so on so they've had a, a really good good first quarter again i think they're a little bit undervalued they will raise their dividend again. They've stated this once they get their their debt under control. So, a really really solid quarter and a company that I'm I'm liking and may want to get involved in sometime this year. Mm. And um, I said, is there any threat from Amazon here or something like that as well? I mean, Amazon threatened the whole world, don't they? And and I remember when 
Amazon were going into this this business. It's the same with Walgreens for me. CVS are not going anywhere. Amazon will try and come in, but I I think CVS are are pretty safe. Super. And then um, uh, I said we also looked into a German company actually, Munich RE, and it's one of those um, uh, companies that we actually did a full analysis on in one of the podcasts. So uh, yeah. let's put the link into the description as well, so if people want to listen back to it, because that's where we went more in depth into the company. Um, what were what what were your findings around this company, uh, or your your thoughts around the first quarter earnings? Yeah, pretty pretty much on par what we expected. I think there was a cold snap in in the US that kind of hit some. Though they had to pay some premiums out that were unexpected, but other than that, it was it was quite solid. Their April premiums is up seventeen percent, which is quite good. And um, that's a mixture of raising prices, which was about two two point five percent, and then natural premium growth of people wanting to get insured. Um, but no, overall, I'm, I'm quite happy with how they performed. COVID has had an impact on them. We, we know this, but we expect them to come out come out a little bit stronger, maybe the second half of this year. Um, return on investment, I think, is 2.7%. Return on equity is 104 um, And overall, another, another good quarter from them. Yeah. And what is also really nice, they paid their dividends yesterday. So yesterday I got quite a chunk of dividends from them because i own i mean not the biggest position but a, a nice position and they pay a dividend once a year so i was really happy uh, seeing the money in coming in i mean for me may like now with also german companies paying in may and specifically like this one and some of the other companies like buyer that i own not really nice juicy juicy dividends so very happy with uh, Munich RE, I must say, specifically yesterday. Big smile on my face. I don't own any of any shares of this company, and it really bothers me. They just seem a little bit overpriced, but I think I might just have to bite the bullet because they, it's it's dependable. We've given an opinion on insurance companies, and I, I think we'll see some further growth, so I might just have to, to bite the bullet. And, and Yeah, and this is, I would say, after Nestle and uh, Unilever, probably one of the most reliable companies in Europe when it comes to dividend payments. Of and course. their business is solid and strong enough that uh, you could, I mean, it's always dangerous to say this, right? So full disclaimer here, but you could almost see it as a bond. Yeah, the only thing is, will you get your full coupon back uh, uh, <laughs> at the moment you want to get out of it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 like Microsoft for me. I, I it took so long to bite the bullet there, and now I'm just like, you have to pay for quality, don't you? So, and did you buy any Microsoft? Lately? Yeah, I bought I bought some this week. I bought a couple of shares, uh, three or four shares this week. Completely forgot about it. I think I bought them Tuesday or whatever day they 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 dipped a little bit. Um, buy the dip, as as I say. But uh, bought them on Tuesday. Bought four shares. But my average price is still. 216 i think so yeah. it's not, not yeah, too yeah. bad yeah. yeah interesting because when i did my video on sunday you mentioned ah still a bit too expensive uh, for uh you. It, it was and i don't know I, I i go through this in my head sometimes sometimes i feel it's too expensive but then look look at the results they have and they're just a quality company and you you see how much like you you put out your tweet and you have mm -hmm. this is what moat looks like and i was looking at that going oh man it's it's true and so 
Yeah. I'll end up buying some. It's your fault. For me, um, um, what was also convincing with Microsoft is that their price didn't really dip. It, it stayed quite flat compared to other companies. Yeah. Mm. So for me, it was a good sign that, okay, the quality is here. The market uh, can't even push it down if it wants to at the moment. It's just quality all over the place. But interesting. I mean, um, I bought uh, two shares for my children as well last week. So around uh, $250. So it's... Uh, yeah, it will do well uh, over the next 10 years, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Shall okay. we do another pharma stock, but now big pharma? Okay, we might look at ABV, who blew it out of the park this this quarter. I think revenue increased by 51%. Um, the oncology business increased 8%. We, we know Humira did quite well in the US. Um, it struggled a little bit in Europe, actually, because we know that the paint patent is up and biosimilars came into play there. But uh, I think another solid year. We're starting to see some of the smaller segments come up. So you have like Sky Ritzy and Rin Vok, I think they're called, that are starting to, to do well. Still not impacting as much as, as Humira. I mean, that's what, nearly $5 billion of of revenue there. So it's it's a huge chunk, but it's nice to see it's nice to see other other segments kind of picking up and we still are not seeing the full impact of of allergen even though botox cosmetics and botox therapeutics are starting to do well i think they combined one billion between them in, in revenue so uh, a good month a uh, good quarter should i say um they've been repurchasing shares as well mm. uh, i think they repurchased about 550 million which which is yeah. which is good i still think they're quite quite cheap so it's a, I like when companies buy when they're down a little bit in price. So overall, I was quite quite happy. How about you? Well, generally, I, th I think these were just solid numbers, right? Mm. Um, so how I look at it on an annual basis, the annual reports are for me the most important. There's also lots of data, data there. So in the quarterly reports, I just want to see continuation of the trends uh, yep. that I'm expecting. Um, and yeah, they can miss sometimes a quarter, but for me, these were just solid, um, solid results. What I just wanted to mention about biosimilars, right? So I'm, I'm having also um, uh, friends Apfi in my portfolio, and what I'm noticing when I also start studying other stocks a little bit uh, with uh, drugs that go off patent, patent, it's really hard to create to produce a biosimilar by another company. So what I'm observing is that. Uh, the stock market expects like a steep revenue decline if, as if these were becoming generics. But with biosimilars, it's all about the manufacturing uh, as well, uh, the quality, the safety. I've seen that it goes much slower and therefore that the revenue uh, decline is rather delayed. Not saying that it doesn't decline, but it's not so sharp as with generics, which I think might be the case at Apfi as well, which in that case means probably some more billions that they can squeeze out of it than mm -hmm. if it were a simple drug. Uh, and those billions can be really, really helpful for buying back shares and and, and, and such and cleaning up the balance sheet. That, that's why ABV are priced where they are, a little bit undervalued. I mean, everybody's expecting this drop in, is it 2023? So yeah. we're expecting a sharp drop. And it could be the reverse, actually. It could be we get to 23 and there is no steep drop like you say investors will be happy and we might actually see a a, a rise at that time so I, i'm not too i'm not too concerned I, i'm like you 
we will see a drop. There's no doubt about it. We yeah. will see, and, and we we've seen that in Europe. It has it was an eight percent drop, but it, it won't be as steep. I mean, these companies have agreements with doctors and pharma companies already in place, and it's hard to move. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So then the, on Monday, also Realty Income, one of the the dividend investors' darlings, uh, reported, and. I was quite impressed by the numbers um, as such. I mean, I, I guess probably what's first uh, most important is that a week earlier they um, announced a merger with uh, V-Ride, which personally, look, when I looked into the into the facts and such, I, I like the merger, but I still have this feeling of uh, the ARCP um, uh, I said debacle because I don't know if you know, but ARCP was the predecessor. It was at the time a seven or eight percent yielding uh, uh, real estate uh, trust. Many people in the dividend investment community in Seeking Alpha were investing in it, myself as well, and then they were cooking the books. So they cut the dividend, share price down. I lost money on this uh, quite a bit. I sold it straight away after the accounting fraud. And now uh, Realty Income bought it. So it's still in my mind, right? I haven't forgotten about that. It seems to, so I start looking into the V-Rite again. It seems to that over the four, last four or five years, they they resolved their legal issues that, that came out of it and that the new CEO has been building up trust in the company again. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess that, you know, it's like Aholt. Aholt also did once fraud. Also Shell did once fraud. So it's really about what the next board does with it. And I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But having said that, then from an, um, an earnings point of view, I mean, they had an adjusted um, funds from operations of 86 cents, nicely covering... Um, uh, the dividend again um, kept uh, kept investing again purchasing new uh, properties and also maybe interesting for the European investors they are getting bigger and bigger in the UK another 400 million was invested uh, in the UK I don't know how know how the housing market is there but uh, it seems for me uh, when I think about UK and especially London or something like that always sounds expensive so that will be um, interesting. But what I found most interesting, what I pay attention to with realty income is really the uh, the occupancy rate. Mm -hmm. um, how many, um, I said, how much is rented out. And what I really liked about uh, it is, and what I found really interesting is that um, I said the theater clients are growing again from 13% to 15% of people that are paying the bills. So it's still only like one out of seven, one out of eight. Um, but this is also what you see in these numbers is a little bit um, the recovery in the economy as well, right? And the same yeah. was with the health and fitness uh, clients. That's that's really recovering nicely as well. Really impressive for me. So the numbers are getting again a little bit to pre-COVID levels, uh, except for the theaters. So for me, it means that uh, realty income also with the merger where they say it's 10% directly uh accredited uh, to the um to the funds from operations um yeah i think pretty solid and and they're well positioned for this year i think cool i i i i didn't i've missed this one actually so it was good that you mentioned the, the marriage as well because i i did not know that but um 
they're just a solid company. I, I love them. They're dependable. They give me a dividend mm. every month. I, I just want to say to to the guy, sort out, <laughs> sort out these yes. investment trusts because I can't buy any more and I don't want yeah. to buy them on my broker because I'd be mixing portfolios. So just sort it out for me. Yeah. Yeah. So full disclosure, maybe um, I, I sold um, a put option this week on $60, I think expiring in July or something. No, in September, in September. Okay for one dollar 20 or something like that so uh if it doesn't reach that i get 120 dollars for for that so also nice dividends and 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 emf if you want to know more about the v right merger with uh, realty income um Depper dividends russ that we had last week on the show he has a really really good video about that uh, i'll put the link in the description as well it's like a what is it a 10 minute video or something like that but he explains it really well perfect i'll, I'll check it out i have his have his show bookmarked just need to catch up on some <laughs> some stuff this week yeah and then the last company that i wanted to personally pick out is uh, koninklijke dsm uh, the dutch state mines um what i like about this company i mentioned in one of the earlier shows it's like bus f but then they made quite a turnaround so from a materials company more like a pure play it also uh, transformed into more nutrition and it's doing really well again and nutrition is on fire again seven percent organic sales um uh, here year over year but also the recovery materials is really apparent and we, we've spoken a little bit about inflation as well and such and the input costs now dsm is one of those companies that uh, charges these input costs to the i don't know the car manufacturers and such so uh, it's it's almost at the source i would say around this uh, of course it buys it from the mining companies and such as well a lot of the um, uh, materials or whatever it needs it from um but volumes were up 21 percent, and that just shows that the economy is really recovering at the moment if, if companies like dsm start to report this so overall uh for me a very good quarter they give trading updates right not not few uh, full financial state statements here where their EBITDA is up again with um, uh, 13%. And uh, how is it? And their margin grew uh, from 90% to 20%. So for me, very solid numbers this quarter. And I expect uh, I expect actually that they will over-deliver this year uh, if, I, if I see a little bit how the world is uh, reopening. So yeah. issue is only this stock is always too expensive for me. And maybe i one time just need to make a conviction by like just because i think they're trading probably again around uh, what is it 150 dollars 150 euros maybe i should just buy i don't know four shares just just to so that it gets into my portfolio uh, as such because i like a lot about this company really a lot cool nice i think that that's all the companies we have this week um might move on to some listener questions actually if you that's okay yeah, let's do. Let's do. Uh, so the first one is from you know who, Phil, and he asks us, "How are your portfolios doing? Is everything on track, or any adjustments changed planned?" Yeah, everything is on track. Um, my portfolio is doing. I, I mean, I don't know exactly to be honest. I, I know what it was doing, and as per the first April after my quarterly summary, um, but. I, I don't think that any any company in my stock did something awkward uh, from the ones that I tracked. They are just muddling along. 
but yes, I am planning some adjustments, uh, maybe not so much in my portfolio as such, but in my uh, uh, my desired portfolio. So I've got my allocation strategy with 40 companies and I'm going to throw a few out that I don't believe in anymore, which I maybe not even had a position in. Mm -hmm. And that's mainly in the tier three and the tier four uh, category. So I'm going to clean up a little bit because every May I do a spring, spring cleaning and it's usually in those categories. And I still haven't made up my mind on Exxon Mobile. So I still have some work uh, to do there. And it's kind of, I'm delaying it all the time, uh, my homework there. So yeah. Yeah. What my, about you? My portfolio has been changing massively this year. And we spoke, spoke about it on our last update where I've changed from nearly 90 or 80 percent to us to european to 50 50 and it's nearly overtaken more so with european at the moment so i've kind of weeded out most of the companies i don't want anymore and i'm, I'm happy where it is i've i actually for the first time i did a dividend capture on bass f um this month so i i, I saw i sold them i know they're doing really well i bought actually 100 shares of them collected a dividend, put in an order to sell at the same price and it hit within two days. So it was like free dividends. It's the first time I've ever done it. It worked out pretty well, but other than That's that. That's really I, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the first time I, I, I've done that. I probably won't make a habit of it, but I think some European companies, they pay, don't they? They pay yearly. So I, I, looking at it, you're only going to get one dividend maybe just try and collect the dividend and, and buy and sell in between and it worked out okay. Yeah, I don't know if today is the ex-dividend date for Danone or or on Monday, you might want to check it out. Otherwise, you could try it once again. <laughs> oh, I have I have, I have Danone anyway, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not buying or, or, or not selling them. But I was going to try and do it maybe with another European company. Um, but we'll see. That's very interesting. Thanks for sharing. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know next time beforehand so we can we can see in real time how it does yeah cool then the next uh, question is from centrino and he's asking what are buybacks are, are and are they good news or bad news for investors yeah buy, buybacks are i mean companies have share a number of shares outstanding outstanding and which counts towards their market capitalization when they have excess cash they buy back shares it reduces the count of that uh, reduce their share count and maybe increases their earnings per share and all, all these other metrics that that we go by are they good for investors that depends usually yes a rule of thumb it is but you want a company buying back shares when they're cheap and not when they're expensive because why i'd rather them give the, the money back to to me as dividends rather than buy shares when they're expensive but Pretty much, yeah. there's not much, not much else they would really. Yeah, I have the same, and and I I can give some examples of companies that did it really well so far. For instance, Aholt is is buying back shares, I think, for a billion per year on a, mm -hmm. what is the market cap of twenty five billion. So that's four percent, and they do it almost entirely out of cash flows. Yeah, that's what I love. So yeah. they have a good enough balance sheet. They pay their dividends first. And they're still able to pay um, uh, this out of the cash flow. So that's what I really love. Microsoft as well, doing buybacks all out of the cash flow. And then the question is, of course, is it overvalued? For me, that question is is most relevant if they are borrowing money 
to do buybacks and that's when i don't like it yeah. um if they uh, borrow money to buy undervalued uh, shares then i'm actually still okay with it to some extent as long as it doesn't uh, blow up the the debt ratios uh, through it right it still needs to stay in a healthy balance but maybe give some bad examples i know we beat down ibm a lot but but they've used this buying back shares as a way to prop up their earnings so it looks like yeah. they're doing better than what they are uh, so if you just check if you just check the earnings per share number it looks like it's increasing but they're artificially increasing this by buying back the shares the revenue is declining um so they're using that as a kind of a smoke screen to to portray yeah. they're doing better than what they are so and their balance sheet has been deteriorating over the years from yeah. that point of view yeah yeah so so i mean genuinely it is good but it can be bad or it can be used to to smoke screen declining yeah. revenues and balance sheets so just keep an eye out yeah and then uh, our friend uh, Thiago Diaz, he asked whether you have gotten your 2020 tax return yet. And if so, what did you invest it on? Tax return? <laughs> we normally pay tax. We don't get tax back. <laughs> but uh, I, I mentioned this off ARTO. Ireland actually has a progressive system here where we pay. It's Everything is in real time. So uh, I think it was maybe last year, the year before, they brought in this system. So in theory there's no need to be getting tax back or, or anything like that everything is in real time employers have to file it every week so i got i got nothing back this year i'm afraid yeah i think it depends on the country when i wasn't living in netherlands i often got money back in the end of the year because you pay kind of a little bit up front and then with the deductions you get money back in poland i need to pay every year additional so it's for me rather I need to put some cash uh, aside. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm investing in uh, in the local society here with my tax returns. <laughs> cool. Um, so the next couple of questions are from Arose Detum. I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry. And he asked us, what is your worst performing stock? so i have no clue what it is uh, this year because i don't look at that i don't even track it in my portfolio so all over time from the stocks i have still in my portfolio it's general electric okay uh, mine is is waco um out of my current portfolio i'm just checking there it is at&t which is down two percent this year so I mean, I'm not too not too bothered by that. I, it's not something I, I I track a whole lot. Um, I've kind of got rid, as I say, got rid of most of the the weeds. So, I'm, we've got a nicely performing portfolio this year. Mm. His second question was: Did you sell anything that went up greater than two hundred percent, and after you sold it, and if yes, how bad does it feel? Yes, I bought. Uh, I sold uh, McDonald's. So I remember buying, I don't know when it was, 2014, one of my first shares ever. I think I bought like, uh, what was it, 40 shares of McDonald's at the time for $90. And then I sold it for $120 because I did it in a, I did an analysis and for me it was heavily overvalued at the time. And well, we know where it is now. Um, what, I, what I missed also, at the time they had the CEO 
not yet the CEO that they just sent away again. I think he did something stuff that you shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> let's say like that with women, I believe, are having relationships. But um, um, they then, because there was this whole feeling here, and I saw it around me, all the parents were saying, our kids cannot go to McDonald's, it's unhealthy. That was this whole wave for a year. And you saw the numbers as well. I thought, like, okay, McDonald's is dying. And then they came with new menu. A year later, all the parents were forgotten. They were saying, like, how can you not go with your par uh, with your kids to ce celebrate your birthday at McDonald's? That's what McDonald's is about. Yeah, so everyone forgotten about the health movement. So I think that, that and then you saw the stock going up and up and up and as well after that. So how bad does that feel? Um, not bad because uh, I know that I'm invested the money elsewhere and it has also been growing uh, with the bull market. So that's a fun fact, right? I also sold Disney yesterday uh, or last year in May or April after the dividend cut. I bought uh, Chubb for, for dividends. And Chubb also went to what is it, 160, 170. So I usually have don't have, well, uh, this doesn't happen often, but I don't have these feelings a lot. Yeah, D Disney came to my mind when, when I saw this question. And then I remember uh, Tangar Outlets. And I bought them, I can't remember if I bought them at 10 or 11, end up selling them at 5 or $6. And then they shoot up to $18. And how did it feel? I'd have to beep out this section if I was to <laughs> if I was to say how it felt, um, but it, it doesn't it doesn't happen hasn't happened too often. Uh, not too I'm not too sour about Disney. Um, my taste has changed. My my only my only sour thing with Tangor was that I bought them. I should have held them. I had no reason to to sell them. I know they they suspended the dividend, but they were always going to to reinstate that. So I should have kind of held on, but. Doesn't feel great, no, but what can you do? Yeah. Well, and then uh, his last question to us was like, did you ever buy a stock just because of fear of missing out and sold it shortly after? Um, no, I don't think so. So I did it. Um, I just don't remember anymore which stock. It was really at the start, the first year of my journey. Um, that I, I bought something and I thought like a day later, like, what the fuck did I buy? Uh, I had no clue and then I got afraid that oh it could go down again so I quickly sold it I think it uh, I said I think this will this happens probably to a lot of investors um, specifically in the beginning when you don't really know your strategy yet then you're often in a situation that you're following others and this can happen actually to us that others are following us and they buy something but uh, please don't buy because we buy it or something like that or when we do an analysis please still do your own analysis um but yeah no it, it happened to me i really remember that really vividly i just don't remember which uh, company yeah it, it can happen to to most investors I, I know i get i get tweets or emails in my inbox almost daily now it, it's starting to become a habit and people asking me this company this company and they've grown this much should i buy them and I, i'm not i'm not never going to give anyone advice i never will i'll tell them what i think if, what, what i would do but uh, certainly i certainly don't follow others and i don't expect others to, to follow me because everybody has their own opinion and conviction yeah definitely so uh, i think it's uh still bads has asked our perspective on the impact of inflation on our holdings 
Yeah, I mean, I did a video on that uh, Stubas two two weeks ago, so I'll put in the description of the of this uh, podcast, and I spoke about inflation. So, um, I think that most of the companies in my portfolio will be able to pass on the inflation to the consumer uh, by increasing the prices or to low uh, or I said decrease the volume of the packages or something like that, and still selling it for the same price. So I think I feel pretty confident in that because I went through my portfolio. There might be one or two companies that have a weak position in the supply chain, and I, I need to think about those um, uh, still. But other than that, I think um, I feel totally fine on that because you know when inflation is happening, actually being invested in the stock market is one of the best things you can do because companies can pass on the inflation yeah and if you get hyperinflation at least at least you know companies can still sell their products then because we still need food as an example so that's the good thing about uh, about this cool yeah i i definitely recommend them check out that video it's quite a good video so i will um we will post that link down below okay so kurt has asked our opinion on van de velde yeah, I don't know if he did this to tease us because uh, you pointed it out. We opened up the annual report, and damn, that's one of the nicest annual reports I have ever seen. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone look at page six, page eight. Um, very interesting stuff on there. Yeah, I, I, I did not know a lot about this company before. Um, I funny story. I, I was sitting sitting here and opened up that that report. My wife walks in with a cup of tea, <laughs> and I goes, "I thought you were recording a podcast. What what are you doing?" I said, "I'm, I'm researching a stock," and I had to show her the question. Quite funny, but you, you'll understand when you go to the to the report. And you'll see why. I didn't I didn't know. I, my wife never heard of the company either, which was a bit worrying for me because you you'd imagine that that. Like girls with no female underwear companies, but they've been around for a long time. I think a hundred years from, from what I read. Um, they have a, a dividend policy of paying out 40% of profit. They aim to increase this gradually over time. They have cut the dividend in the last 10 years, but I mean, we briefly looked at the balance sheet, didn't we? And it's rock solid. Like they're quite cash rich, quite yeah. cash rich company. Um, but I mean, I spent ten minutes looking at them today. Uh, not really an in-depth analysis or, or financials, but certainly interesting. Um, we mentioned risks with small cap uh, dividend is always at risk, and, and you can see that at play here. But their stock price is taking a heavy, heavy beating, and maybe when we start to open back up, people are going to go on holidays. They're going to be buying underwear and swimsuits. Maybe we'll start to see their their sales pick back up, and their share price might follow with that. Yeah, and it was for me clear that this is not a digital business because they wrote in their annual report that due to COVID-19 and the uh, online adoption that they fe felt it was time for a bit of a remake of their website. If I hear this, it's it's telling me that this is an old-style managed uh, business, probably depending on a lot of food traffic and uh, not a, a digital-first uh, business. So that's probably also one of the risks here and why it's so impacted by COVID-19. Um, it's probably not in, in their DNA to be an online channel. Yeah, it it, it looks like they're 
a big brand and they must have brand power, but maybe it's all about the experience of going in and trying on these types of clothes. I, I don't know, but maybe that's where that comes in. Cool. Um, then uh, Brady has a question. He's asking, um, actually, I guess it is about me because uh, there was a question where I answered uh, about three stocks that I would like to own. And I remember one was uh, Europe, one was US and one from elsewhere. I mentioned yep. Alibaba. And he's asking if I'm buying the dip or does, do I see more value elsewhere? So I'm not buying really the dip because it's now 225. I bought at 230. It's supposed to be a small position. Um, if it would touch 200, I would probably buy some more, um, maybe five shares or something like that. Um, it's not so much about seeing value elsewhere. It's more like it's a small position. I can average down on the news, but I don't feel like buying at the same level I bought before. It's, it's no value for me from that point of view. Yeah, cool. Um, and the last question of the day goes to Peter Sprout. And he asks us, what do you think about the Unilever tea business that is likely to be split off via listing? Do you think this is a good idea or do you think they should split their entire food division? Yeah, this is a really interesting question about Unilever because it's clear that the company is becoming more and more like the, uh, a personal care company and a, trying to become a beauty company. I think that's a higher margin business that Unilever is also seeing. Um, but then it will become a competitor of L'Oreal and such. I have a feeling like they should stick a bit to, to food and, and these kinds of things as well, because it's what their DNA is, right? And I don't see the need to transform totally into a home and personal care division. Uh, I don't see the need like what Philips did from an, uh, I said, from a television production company or something like that uh, transforming fully into healthcare i don't think there's a need for that for unilever so you know i i i'm a bit of a historian when i analyze companies so also letting the tea business go always gives me this feeling but i understand it of course because the tea business is just not a high enough margin business um for them uh, so to say so yeah, I support it. I think they have a good management. Um, I don't feel like they should split off the entire food division uh, just because of my sentiment. And it's probably not the wisest one from an investor point of view, but I like Unilever, the diversification as it is. I feel that the food business is really stable. Also in these times, people will need food. If it goes to personal care, I'm wondering like what that would do to the um, I said um, to the resilience of the company as an example. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think they should split their entire food division. I don't see why you would do that. When I think of Unilever, I think of some of those food brands straight away, not not so much the home and personal care. Um maybe it makes maybe business sense for for the numbers guys, but I don't know. I don't see I don't see the need to do it really okay um that's that's the last question thanks very much guys as always enjoy those questions and we love teasing out some of these answers so again keep them keep them coming um thanks for listening and and as always thanks to european dj for his time on a friday thank you as well and uh, yeah everyone a great weekend then see you again see you later